morning, everybody. My name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here. Thanks, Joe. Um, here at LBC, and I get to bring another Bible story to everybody. And this morning, I'm actually going to bring three different Bible stories, but don't worry, I'm going to tell them really quickly, so we're not here for too long. And uh, we're looking today around this idea about greatness. So just out of curiosity, can anyone tell me what these people have in common? I see some answers. Well, what do these three people have in common? Best in their field. <laughs> Champions. Next time I'm up here, I'm just going to have all women, okay? All right, I'll make up for it. Uh, yes, uh, one of you guys said it before. They're all goats. They're all, the great, they're all greatest of all time. So when it comes to greatness... Uh, if you've never heard goat before, maybe you haven't played sports, that's fine. Um, these three men, sorry about that, um, I'll put Serena Williams in next time. These three, for them, are the definition of what it means to be great in their respective sports. So does anyone know who that man is? Wayne Gretzky, greatest NHL player of all time, holds like 80 records. I think he did four seasons with 200 goals or something stupid. Incredible player. Uh, everyone know who that is? James Bond. <laughs> He's gone deep undercover this time. <laughs> Michael Jordan, NBA. Um, and who knows who this is? Michael Phelps. Whenever I see him now, all I can think about, do you guys remember from the Olympics, he had the, um, the cupping done and everyone's like, what's cupping? Because his back had a bunch of bruises. Didn't know. Some of, yeah, cool. That's all I can think now when I see him. Uh, it's coming. Anyway, so uh, we're going to look at what this idea about what it means to be great. And for these guys, they are the greatest in their field. For me personally, when I was growing up, uh, what it meant to be great for me was to go out on a Saturday to take my cricket bat, which yes, it's a little bit broken now, and go and try and... Yep. It's no good no more. Um, and go and try and make a few runs. Now, my first season I got this, I uh, did not do well. In fact, many of these edges that are on the side are from my first season. Um, I never got bowled, but I got caught behind quite a lot. And then as time went on, I managed to get some runs with it. I actually found the middle of the bat, which was nice. And for me, being a 17-year-old out there batting um, was really great. I enjoyed that. And for me, when I looked at my future, uh, for me, I, wa I wanted to play for Australia. Now, I realized when I was 16 that I'd be nowhere near good enough, but I dreamed for a while. Uh, that that's what, for me, greatness was. The other thing that, when I was growing up, that I wanted to do was I really enjoyed whoop, uh, tennis. I, I loved being out there on the court, and uh, I thought to myself, if this cricket thing doesn't work out, I'm going for tennis. <laughs> <laughs> then I had this American coach, and uh, I, was, I was the best for my eight. I grew up in Kalgoorlie, 30,000 people. There weren't very many of us, so to be good in Kalgoorlie was not that great. And this American coach came over, and he was like 60 years old. And I'm looking at this bloke going, I could beat you, man. Like, I'm young, I've got energy, I'm amazing. So I, I said to him, oh, can we have a game? Because he used to be ranked. And I'm like, can I have a game against you? And he's like, yeah, I'll give you a game, Josh. So I went out there, and I got ready. And I don't know why, but if that's the, uh, the top of the service line, or whatever it's called, I was about here, right? The ball had to be bounce around there and I was standing really close up thinking I'm gonna just start smacking this guy around 
And he, he served, and he pinged me right on my right foot. So I stood back. I got ready. Pinged me on my left foot. So I stood way back behind the baseline this time. He served it in. I just couldn't reach it. And I realized at that time that uh, tennis was not going to be what I'd be known for because I didn't have mad skills like that. Then eventually I met a lovely lady called Marnell. You can't all see the photo, but we look gorgeous. Uh, this is from our year 11, 12 ball, one of those balls. And um, yeah, and I redefined what I thought great was to me. Growing up, I thought I want to be known. I want to be good at sports. Then I met Marnell. I'm like, stuff sports. I just want to be known by her, effectively. I want to be great in her books. Um, and we got married, and eventually, now we have the two little kiddlywinks. Greatness has sort of changed again, and I want to be known as a great father. And so for me, what it meant to be great has changed over time from being very self-centered to hopefully being more others-focused. So this morning, I want to have a look at three stories in which Jesus takes the definition of greatness and he changes what it means. And the three stories, if you want to try and read them really quickly, uh, Matthew 18 and Mark 9, we have one story of the disciples and Jesus. In Matthew 20 and Mark 10, there's another story. And then in John 13, um, we have a story where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. And we're going to learn this morning how Jesus chose to define what it means to be great. And I've got a picture of Jesus. I'm sure one of these is correct. <laughs> I think we've got nearly all the bases covered in terms of all the ethnicities of what Jesus could be. Um, so we're going to learn from Jesus what it means to be great. That's a joke in case you're wondering. There was only one Jesus, not many. Anyway. It's all good. Uh, so Matthew 18 and Mark chapter 9. So the disciples were traveling with Jesus. These were people who were really uh, in the know in terms of this guy rocked up. His name was Jesus. He started talking about this new kingdom. He started healing people. Uh, he started saying that God loves everyone and, and that he wants to have a relationship with them. And these disciples, these followers of Jesus, started to hang around him and get to know what he thought about things. And Jesus kept talking about this idea about the kingdom of heaven. This new kingdom was coming. And so one day the disciples were there and they were talking amongst themselves and they were trying to figure out, well, okay, who is going to be the greatest when it comes to the kingdom of heaven? Who's going to be the best? When Jesus eventually brings in this new kingdom idea he's talking about, I mean, we're close to Jesus, so surely we are going to be pretty great in this new kingdom, right? If you're following the person who's leading change, then chances are you're going to be considered quite high in that regard. But Jesus turns around as after he hears them, and he says, actually, uh, when it comes to this idea about greatness you guys are seeking, people who humble themselves like a child, which basically means willing to be without status or significance, that's considered great in my kingdom. You guys are focusing on, well, we've been around you with the miracles. We have seen things happen no one else has. We think we're going to be quite great in the kingdom. And Jesus says, actually, if you want to be great in this new kingdom idea, you need to be like children. You need to be innocent. You need to be willing to be without status or significance. In Mark chapter 9, he's a bit more, uh, Mark talks about this same scene, but he says the disciples are arguing because Mark is a man of action. So when he wrote his Gospels, everything's happening. And the disciples are actually arguing, and Jesus uh, asks, what are you talking about? But I mean, Jesus knew uh, what they were talking about, obviously. 
And he, he turned around and said the same thing as in Matthew. You want to be first? Well, be last and welcome children. Love children. Welcome them. So that's our first story. The disciples are arguing amongst themselves, wondering who is going to be great? Who's going to be the top in this new kingdom that Jesus is bringing? Then in Matthew 20 and Mark 10, we have a similar story in terms of greatness, but it's actually uh, John and James's mom comes up to Jesus and says, hey, Jesus, I'm going to act this out a little bit. So Jesus is over here. I'm not Jesus. I'll be the mum. So the mum comes up and says, Jesus, my two sons have been following you for a little bit. They're pretty cool, right? And Jesus would be like, yeah, they're pretty cool. Now, I'm wondering if you would consider them. I, I imagine like standing around the corner of a tree, like peeking, like, go, mum. Go, ask him. Anyway, my, my, my sons, they're, they're pretty cool. I, I would say, could you let them sit on your right hand and your left? Could you let them be with you when you're bringing this new kingdom idea? They would ask you themselves, but they're really scared of you. Uh, no, that's not what he said. So their mum comes up and asks on their behalf, which is great parenting. I don't know what that says about that. Uh, and Jesus turns around and says, well, if you want to be great, uh, serve other people. Don't lord it over. So what that means when it says don't lord it over others is Jesus observed that when it came to greatness in society, it was all about I'm the best, you're not and they would remind them again and again. People who were rich would walk around showing how rich they were. If they were generous, they would go into the temple within the Jewish society. They would go in and they would make a big show of how much they gave. And Jesus looked and said, if you want to be great in this kingdom idea that I'm talking about, don't lord it over other people. Don't show off. Don't do that. Then in Mark 10... James and John come to ask about Jesus. So I'm going to set the same scene. Jesus is here. All right, everyone's imagining him? Cool. Uh, in this scene, I don't know where the mum is. The mum's probably with, but Mark doesn't say that the mum asks. James and John come up and say, hey, Jesus, we're pretty cool, aren't we? And Jesus would be like, yeah, you guys are pretty cool. Um, can we sit on your right and your left when this new kingdom idea comes in? Um, and Jesus said, well, don't lord it over others. And I'm sure, like, if you're reading the text, you know, wasn't it your mum who asked in Matthew? And then they'd be like, what's the book of Matthew? And Jesus would be like, that's right, the Bible hasn't been written yet. What's the Bible? Jesus would be like, ah, don't worry about it. We're all good. The big point I want you to get, so in terms of the textual variance there, in case you are wondering, in Matthew, they mentioned the mum talking, Mark, it's for sons, but the chances are the mum was with the sons, and it works out. It's all fine. It's just, that was a joke. All right. The big point from these two stories we have, is that when it came to greatness, Jesus thought differently to the people who were following him. Have you ever spent time with someone and you thought you knew what they were on about and you'd make some statement and they turn around and say, that's not what I think about that at all. For me, this has happened in marriage a few times. <laughs> I thought I knew Manuel, and I went out and said, hey, let me help you in this, or let me do this, and Manuel will be like, wait a minute, that's not what I think about that, and I'll be like, whoa, totally misread that situation. The people who are following Jesus, who saw everything he was on about, they didn't quite click on the idea about what it was to be great. So even though they had close proximity to Jesus, even though they were in tight relationship with him, they still saw greatness as something you attained because of what you did. But when Jesus addressed this issue of what it meant to be great, he thought differently to those guys who were following him. 
And the best part is, is that Jesus didn't just think differently. He actually showed them what it meant to truly be great. And in that, we have the story in John chapter 13, 1 to 20. We've got a couple of minutes. Does someone want to be a volunteer for me and just come and sit here? Anyone? Oh, my goodness. All three of you can come up. Sorry, I thought this was going to be a really hard sell. See, that's right. We have the three. No, uh, that wouldn't be right. Um, that's cool. Thank you so much. I don't have any lollies or anything as a prize. <laughs> I suspected that would be your reaction. All right. So we're going to do a little bit, a little bit of a role play here. So Jesus is hanging out with his disciples. And they're, about, they're having a meal. It's a pretty important meal. And as Jesus is hanging out with them, we're all chatting. Hey, guys, what's going on? It's all good. Yeah, cool. Um, as we're hanging out, um, Jesus stops the proceedings, stands up, takes off one layer of clothing on the outside. So Jesus at the time was wearing something that sort of showed that he was a teacher. And in this meal, Jesus stood up. He removed the piece of clothing that showed his status. He put it to the side or put it around his waist, depending on what you're reading. And he got down onto his knees. He got the, the water and he started to wash the disciples' feet. Don't I want to take your shoe off? No. <laughs> For my safety. And he started to, to wash their feet. And he went around one after the other after the other. And this was a really bad scene. For two reasons. One, Jesus was the head of the operation. He was the man in charge. And he got down on his knees and he washed the disciples' feet. And he did something that a servant would do. Something that no one in his group would expect Jesus to be getting down onto that level and serving them in that way. Because that's quite intimate, to get down and to, to wash their feet. So that's the first part of that story, which is no good. The second part, which is worse for the disciples, is how guilty would you feel? None of you put up your hands to wash feet. None of you said, hey, wait a second, we should get someone onto this job. And the person who's in charge went, oh, fine, I'll do it. Like, how embarrassing would that be? But it's okay, you guys didn't do that. It's all good. Can we give these guys a hand? Thanks so much. Take your seats. I'll get up. Thank you very much. Um, so that's what happens in John chapter 13. Jesus does something which the disciples did not expect. Could you imagine, for those of you who are not self-employed, those who have jobs, uh, that you have a CEO or you have uh, really high up management, could you imagine you're working there one day and they drop down to your office and they're like, hey, can, can I serve you in some way? Imagine how significant that would be. And if you're in charge of something and you do that, that's awesome. That's a great um, leadership lesson from Jesus in terms of serving down and serving those uh, who, are, who are around you. So in the first two Bible stories, the disciples are fighting about what it means to be great or who's going to be great when it comes to Jesus' new kingdom. And both times, Jesus sort of, he doesn't give him a slap down, but he sort of says, wait, you guys are wrong. Um, I love the energy, love the passion, love the enthusiasm, but you're, just, you're on the wrong track, guys. And he brought them back to center about when this new kingdom comes in, it's not about 
who's great in terms of power and achievement. It's actually about who's great in terms of service and loving those around, around you. And then he finished off this object lesson with an actual getting down and washing their feet and loving them enough to do something that is well below something they would expect Jesus to be doing. So you can imagine in the scene, Jesus finishes washing their feet. The disciples are a little bit embarrassed and probably very awestruck by this, this act, something they did not expect. And I can imagine Jesus looking at them saying, you respect me, obviously, because you followed me this far. You recognize my position. You guys have all said, hey, you are the son of God. Now follow my example. Jesus finishes off this whole thing around greatness saying, if you want to know what it's like to be truly great, you need to serve other people. And I'm not just telling you so you go do that. That's lazy leadership. I'm telling you and I'm showing you exactly what that looks like. So one day when I'm no longer here on earth, one day when I've gone up to be with my heavenly father and you guys are in charge of this operation, you're going to have no reason to not serve the people who you come in contact with. Jesus sets the standard right up here and says, if you want to be great, if you want to be involved with this new kingdom, then serving other people is exactly what I want you to do. And I'm not going to leave you and just say, give it a crack. I've shown you what that looks like. Because I gave up my status, I got down on my knees, and I served you by washing your feet. And later on in the Bible, there's all sorts of problems where they couldn't get the apostles and the the disciples to teach properly because they were too busy serving. So this leadership lesson really stuck with them. And eventually they sort of had to drag the people away from washing people's feet and, and get them into the positions they should be. So it really made an impact on their life. So they respected, they recognized, and they followed. So Jesus redefines greatness for us as not what we can do, but how we serve other people. Not what we can do, but how we can serve other people. So I'm going to invite the band to jump up on stage and we'll, we'll land this. Growing up, at some point in your life, someone defined for you what it was to be great. Maybe for you it was sport. Maybe for you it was study. Maybe for you it was family. Maybe for you it was just doing the right thing and being an honest person. But at some point in your life, someone came along and exampled something and you looked at that and went, if I want to be great, that's what I'm going to do. And as you've journeyed in life, that's probably changed. Maybe you reached a peak of some level and then realized, well, there must be more. Maybe you were really thinking, this is what it means to be great, and then a hero or someone you looked up to let you down. And you started to question, if I'm going to make an impact on this earth, if I'm going to be great, what does that mean for me? What I want you to take away from this morning is that when it comes to being great, when it comes to being great, oh no, it's not going backwards. That's all good. Um, when it comes to being great, it's all about how you can serve other people. And here's a really practical step uh, and a question you can use whenever you're wondering, how can I serve other people well? All right, if you've got pens and paper, this is what you want to write down. Or commit this to memory. If you ever want to be great, if you ever want to truly be great when it comes to the kingdom of heaven, all you need to do is this, is come alongside someone and ask them, 
what can I do to help you? That's it. Repeat it back to me after I say, what can I do to help you? Parents, if your kids came to you after school and looked you in the eye and said, Mom, Dad, what can I do to help you today? Hey? Not just mumble, grumble, grumble, walk in, slam the door. Kids, um, pardon? Oh, money. <laughs> what can I do to help you for my pocket money? Yeah, okay. Um, without accepting payment on the action they do, let's define that. If you're a child here, imagine what would happen, or imagine how you would feel if your mom and dad came into your room and said, hey, I love you, and I just want to ask, with no strings attached, what can I do to help you? What can I do to serve you today? How awesome would that be? And if they actually genuinely meant it. Now, this question doesn't work if you're being sneaky, okay? What can I do to help you so that later I can get? That's, uh, you can try that, but that's just going to undermine trust and really uh, damage relationship. So if you want to be great and if you want to show love to other people, this question will help you. What can I do to help you today? And the first few times you ask it, they probably won't say anything because they'll be really surprised. Like, oh, why are you asking me? Um, but after a while, if you can set that as a culture in your family home, if you can set that as a culture in your workplace, if you can set that as a culture in your friendships, then it will totally tra- uh, transform the atmosphere in those places. When you're willing to serve other people, not so that you can get something, but just because you want to leverage all that you have to love other people well, that is a really transformational idea.